Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of No Country for Big Men. That's right. We're back. Uh, well, let's give an update on our team, shall we? 76ers, still the best team in the East. And the Nets are close on their tail, man. Woohoohoo! Ryan, are you finally nervous about the Nets? Are you getting a little nervy here? What does nervous mean in this capacity? Do I think that the Nets are going to surpass the Sixers in the regular season standings? Uh, I'm sure that'll happen at some point during the season. Does that matter? I don't think so. Well, everyone had their doubts when this super team was getting assembled. Everyone was talking about how... KD needs to have the ball, how Kyrie needs to have the ball, how James Harden needs to have the ball in order to be successful, in order to be the best players they are. They're clearly all on the same page. This shows that you're not watching them. This shows you're not watching them. They haven't played together at all. Like, how many games, Jack, has it been where all three have been on the court? I don't know off the top of my head, but I agree. It's very few. The major components are playing. Like, yeah, KD might, might have been out for a while now, and... But, like, James Harden and Kyrie playing together well, that has to say something. And KD and James Harden play well together. Like, don't you think they can all, like, mesh in a cohesive manner and really play exceptional basketball? Yeah. I want Jack I mean, to take it. <laughs> I think they can. The whole thing about the offense is that there's a there's been a lot more movement than I had anticipated. And I think, in part, that's actually because James Harden has been the passer that he was in prior seasons before Houston went to just absolute iso ball, which is like partially on Harden as well. Um, But I do think looking back on it now, that was probably more something that Houston as an organization at that time wanted to do. And if James Harden's going to pass like he has, then I don't know. That's really scary. I do, you know, I don't worry as much about it right now in terms of like, okay who takes the final shot because i think they're just such in like a they're in that like honeymoon phase of like we make this work oh it's okay you take it like you know you got it like this is fun this is great i mean i again like the only thing that really i think of with the nets is obviously interior defense and i just even if their offense goes stagnant like those guys are just so insane at at individual offense that like it doesn't even matter i do think that they'll probably end up passing the sixers just because i think the sixers i don't know how to say this other than like i think the sixers are overrated but like like in terms of you think about it and they're number one in a conference like obviously they'd be fifth in the west and you know they're like they're starting to drop defensively in terms of defensive rating. And then their offense is, you know, hovers around that like 12, 13, 14 area. So I generally like, like in terms of passing the Sixers. Yeah, probably. Uh, I also think that again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I was just about to say all that, like everything you're saying is true and none of that really matters. It doesn't matter if the Sixers are the three seed, the two seed, the one seed in the East. Uh, it, at the end of the day, like as long as they're healthy, that's the team that you're going to have in the playoffs. And that's what matters, right? And you guys are missing the point. Like, I agree, Harden's been playing well. But again, KD has been out. They not All three of them have not been on the court for a, lot, a long time at all. And that's always been the concern. It's not whether two guys can mesh together. It's can three of the top 16 players in NBA history in terms of usage rate 
all right? Three of the top 16 players in terms of usage rate. Can those guys gel together? Like adding KD into that mix is, makes it a whole different equation. Like it's nice to watch Harden and Kyrie play well and it's beautiful, but it, it just kind of is irrelevant until they add that guy into the mix. And I mean, I think they could have something special with either guard playing like a pick and pop thing with KD, but again, what are you subjecting that third guy to just being a catch and shoot guy? And then how do you rotate that? It's, it's harder than throwing them all out there and hoping magic's going to come. I do agree that like they, the big test is when they're out there for, you know, multiple games in a row, multiple play you know, playoff games in a row. But like, I just think that with that collection of talent individually, like I'm almost not worried about it this year as much as I am if they stick together in future years, because I do feel like this year they will probably come together. And, and like kind of my point about the honeymoon phase was that I I feel like they'll be able they'll be able to put it aside enough. But the person that I, that worries me is Kyrie with that, because <laughs> Kyrie doesn't really have a history of that. But I think that unless he's learned from recent history that that isn't something that he should do. He was obviously the second fiddle in Cleveland and they had a lot of success. He's obviously the second fiddle to Durant, but does he feel that way? And that's where I like, I agree with you. Like we haven't really seen them out there too much yet, but I do feel like at least this year, even if their offense is just taking turns, like I really don't care. Like I almost don't even care if they, if it's just like, Oh, you haven't had it in two possessions. Like you take it. I think Kyrie in that equation, though, is the third fiddle, honestly, and that's going to be even harder for him to accept. But, yeah, it'll be interesting, and, you know, maybe they get creative in the playoffs and actually have uh, staggering rotations there where, you know, you only get one of those guards on the floor at one time. But interesting when it comes to crunch time, too. I think Pat had beef with your Sixers take that was kind of buried in all that, though. Uh, The Sixers is underrated take. Pat, Pat seemed to be... A little amped up on that one. Yeah. If they're overrated, then the whole East is overrated. So the Nets are overrated. Yeah? Am I right? <laughs> what are you trying to say here? The Sixers are the best team in the Eastern Conference at this moment. So, uh, Are they, though? <laughs> yes. Look at the numbers. Literally go to the standings, and you will see them on top of the East. Yeah. I will I say, mean... speaking of Honeymoon... Their hot start has somewhat fizzled here, and that could have been this road trip to Toronto. The NBA this season is doing those like back-to-back games, and so Embiid didn't have that great of a performance last night, and he wasn't the leading scorer the night before. That was Simmons with 28. So uh, things are sort of cooling off, but at the same time, I'm not in like panic mode. Like if the Nets do overtake the Sixers in the standings, I'm not panicking at all. Because, Ryan, to go back to your earlier point, it is all about the playoffs. And the Sixers haven't done that at all. They haven't proved themselves in the playoffs at all. Last year, I didn't really expect much from them. Because Simmons got injured, back thing, and Celtics were playing pretty well at that moment. So, And, of course, that Game 7 against Kawhi was... I, I felt really good about that year. That's why that, that year hurts a lot. And we lost Jimmy in the process. but. 
I guess my main concern would be who the Sixers would play in the playoffs. Like, if they get that two seed, because the Celtics are chopping right now. The Celtics are six in the Eastern Conference. Ryan, do you have any concerns about the Sixers' potential first-round matchup? It could be the Miami Heat. I would revel in that opportunity. I would revel in the opportunity to play the Heat in the first round. I, You know, I'm not really concerned about... Um, first round matchups for the Sixers, mainly because the main teams that I fear for them are, you know, the Nets, the Bucks. That's pretty much it. And part of that, you know, goes into one of my larger NBA generalized takes is that the postseason is just a completely different game than the regular season. And what I'm excited about for the Sixers this year is being able to see what they do under better coaching, because one of the things that becomes drastically more apparent in the postseason is the game planning, the adjustments made, and that's why Mike guys like Mike Budenholzer, I will forever rip them, because they don't make adjustments in the playoffs, and they get shellacked because of it. Um, and, you know, Brett Brown was never really reputed to be kind of an X's and O's guy. Um he was an accent and, guy. I don't know what his accent was, but <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his his Australian, his like another... Australian slash Brooklyn slash like Maine accent. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, he sounded like a nice guy, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what he was. It, it, coaching, that's what he was, man. He was just a yeah. nice guy. That Jimmy story sort of haunts me when he's on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about his experience with the Sixers and the story with he like walks into his film room with Brett. Simmons and Embiid are there and Brett's just clicking through the film tape and everyone's just sitting there in silence and no one's talking. And he said it was, it was a very just weird moment for him. And I don't know what Brett wanted to do. I don't know if he wanted like someone to speak up and like be a leader or something, but I don't know. I can't, I mean, I can't really comment on the coaching because he was with that team for a while and I know nothing about coaching a professional basketball. At the same time, yeah, but you can trust the opinions of other people when they speak on that, and I, I don't think anyone really gave him a glowing review in terms of his game planning. You know, that's something that is reserved for the likes of uh, Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what Doc can do because it already seems like through the personnel changes that they made and whatever coaching adjustments he's implemented. Um, they they are performing at a potentially higher ceiling than we've probably seen from them, aside from those Jimmy Butler days, probably on that same level. And again, that's why I'm not really concerned for against a underperforming Celtics team with a struggling Kemba. Like I know they have you know who, but I I still have confidence going into a series against them, and especially against the Heat too. Like these teams just haven't coalesced this season, and yeah, I don't, I don't really see them as a real threat. I see Giannis and the three-headed monster in Brooklyn as a threat. I will say the Sixers did downgrade in Doc in terms of his voice because Brett Brown, as we were saying earlier, did sound amazing, and Doc sounds just—I don't even know—like frog. When did he lose his voice? Like, how long ago was it? I have no idea. He's always been that way. Yeah, that's what Did he I put remember. out wanted posters, like, lost voice on the on the street? I mean, I've never seen someone be without their voice for that long, honestly. 
I, I don't know. It's crazy. It, it, it's a bad joke, but yeah. I, the perpetual hoarseness. It definitely got worse yelling at Paul George in the playoffs, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly when he lost his voice. I do hope that, you know, they still ring the bell after each dub, the Sixers, because that's what they did under Brett. And it would always be so fun watching the celebration videos after a win. Well, or was that really up to Brett? Or... <laughs> yeah, I think that was something he implemented. Oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like some bullshit process thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't see it on social media anymore. Like, hey, I don't see we, it on social media anymore. We won a game. Ding. Why don't you ring the bell when you make the finals? I mean, we'll see about that this yeah. year. A lot closer than the dubs, that's for sure. Yeah, well. Speaking of the dubs, let's talk Warriors basketball. Jack, I do want to start your segment off with a question. Are you ready, Jack? Depends. Is Draymond Green hurting the Warriors? <laughs> hey, hey, man, you can't, you can't be throwing fits, getting double T's, and costing your team the, the win. You just can't be doing that, especially during the regular season, especially right now, especially right before the All-Star break where you're hunting for that playoff spot. You are right there. You need to stay in that playoff contention. And what does Draymond do? He just throws away a game. You can't have that. Is he hurting the Warriors? <laughs> uh, no. I mean... <laughs> Uh, pr- pretty, pretty, pretty confident that he's not. Uh, but uh, it was frustrating. I what Patrick is referencing is a game earlier in the week against the uh, Charlotte Hornets, in which the Warriors had a two-point lead with about forty seconds left and the ball. Long story short, there was some questionable possession calls by the refs where, you know, it happened twice. Players were tied up. Once, I believe, they didn't give the Warriors, like, a timeout, even though they were calling one, and they ended up... And and then, like, a moment later, the ball got tied up again, and they gave a timeout to Charlotte, even though it was, like, pretty much the same play. So Draymond had all the reason in the world to be heated. I agree. He shouldn't have gone that far and, like, understood the context context in the context of the season and yeah obviously they don't have you know they're not going to go rattle off a bunch of wins in a row because they're not that team anymore but and it is frustrating but like it's the double-edged sword that you live with and the Warriors have lived with for you know like five six years now like like he's he's obviously now he's their second best player and like is you know without him they're there's a lot of guys that just have no idea what they're really doing right now. And obviously, like, he's had just a really weird year. Statistically, he cannot score anymore at all. But he's still quite good defensively, and his assist numbers are off the chart. He's seventh in the league right now in assists, uh, which I'm not sure where he's ended before. And I believe that these are, let me double check. Yeah, this is his highest assist average per game right now of his career, even in seasons where they clearly had far superior offensive talent. So in that sense, obviously he's not hurting them. It is frustrating because it is 
yeah, they're not going to... They need every win that they can. They still have yet to win three games in the row, in a row. They still have yet to lose three games in a row. They're pretty much the definition of slightly above average in every way, which I know I've said before, but as far as Draymond is concerned, like, you live with these things because, I mean, the part, like, like it's hard to quantify exactly how much that, like, fire and that passion means to him, but I really do think like when you watch them game in game out it really matters especially last season when you watched him now I actually think he like did okay for what was clearly a pointless season all year but I mean he's playing with so much more intent and aggression and just passion right now than he was last year and it was sad last year like last year watching him like not really care that much like you know you know when he wasn't getting texts and blowing games was last year (laughs) when they were, like, the worst team in the league. So, like, you live with it. It sucks. I hope it doesn't cost them, you know, I hope they don't lose a seeding by, like, a game because, you know, he gave Terry Rozier the opportunity to hit a game-winning shot against... In a game where they didn't have Steph, so it was kind of... Might have been one of their better wins all year and good for the team morale had they pulled that off against a, like, pretty, you know, pretty respectable Charlotte team, so... No, the answer is Draymond Green is not losing them. Uh, it's not hurting the, the Warriors at, at this moment in time. I mean, to even have the perspective of looking at the playoff standings and being like, oh, we could have been a sixth seed if it weren't for that game is the equivalent of blaming like a defensive pass interference in the first half on the reason that you lost a game. I, Like you said, the double-edged sword... With Draymond, it's very real, but again, to Jack's point, I couldn't agree more. Like When he's not that intense in the game, he's not giving it his all. That That's the type of player he is. Yeah, and like there's this interesting, as we referenced earlier, like playoff basketball is you know, a lot different than regular season basketball. And, like, there's definitely a categorization of guys. Like, is he a 16-game player referencing the 16 games you need to win in the playoffs to win an NBA championship? Like, you know, I mean, his playoff numbers throughout his career are, like, pretty consistently higher than, like, his regular season numbers. Like, I don't mean to... Like, it's kind of true that, like, when the stakes are on the line, like, when in important games, like, he he almost always shows up. Like, and he almost always plays really well. And, like... He's a gamer. How many points did he have in that game seven? He definitely had over 20. He hit... He was hitting threes. He almost had a triple-double. 32, 15, and 9. Yep. I mean, the one time, like... It's funny looking back on that game and that season and Draymond sort of the double-edged sword because they're obviously not there without him and they obviously don't go 73-9 and without the exact type of player that he was. Now, he got suspended for Game 5 because of an accumulation of, you know, technical fouls. So, because... And obviously the straw that broke the camel's back was when he, you know kind of 75% tried to punch LeBron in the nuts. And so he got a tech for that. And that was, you know, frustrating. I mean, who knows what happens if he's in that game five or not. I don't know. But at the same time, they certainly weren't winning that game without him. And then, you know, so that was really frustrating. And that is something that the double-edged sword didn't help them there. But 
again, it's it's way easier to point to like, oh, he got a tech there, he got a tech there, that's point there, he got kicked out there, and it's like, what about all the games where he plays and he's really good? <laughs> like, I can point to those and like, and then I can show you the season last year where like they were going nowhere and he was not good at all. So, yeah, when we're rehashing the Warriors' glory days, I think it's time that we move off the Warriors' subject. <laughs> I do have one more question for my man Jackalis. Little oh, piggy God. boy. Little piggy boy. You hear that? There's whispers in the wind. Porzingis? Are you to actually going to bring up Kristaps Porzingis? Porzingis? No, Porzingis to the Warriors? There Would are no whispers. Trade? Would you trade? Hey, 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 Okay. Would you trade Porzingis for Wiseman? I don't know why I said oh. that for all weird, but I did. Well, first of is all, is that what it would take? What is the projected trade? Well, first of all, it's more than that, right? That's what it would take. First of all, they they can't because they Why? can't. Why? Because the they can't. Yeah, because no the cap the salaries to, need to, to match. You have to match salaries in a trade, so like they can't. That's why players are randomly thrown into trades. Anytime you see random players thrown into trades, it has nothing to do with who those players are, and only to do with the cap. Like they're just numbers that they need to fill the trade in order for it to fit for the cap. So like they can't. They literally cannot trade straight up James Wiseman for Kristaps Porzingis. Like, first of all, like. Maybe, like, I probably would, but, like, Porzingis is not playing very well this year. Like, I I thought you were going to say Wiggins, because they're the same salaries, and, like, I haven't directly compared them, but just based off the, like, sort of, like, flipping around that I do every now and then, I'm pretty sure their numbers are pretty comparable. Kristaps is probably a little bit higher. Porzingis is also on Ryan's fantasy team. So. But Porzingis also comes with the fact that he's injured all the time. I mean, the one positive about Andrew Wiggins is that he's actually, like, rarely injured and is pretty much, like, a 80-82 to 82 game player every year. But, no, I mean... The Porzingis like report that I believe is true. I believe that the I believe that the Mavericks are calling around trying to trade Kristaps Porzingis. I would totally believe that. Um, he's young. He's been consistently hurt. His numbers are okay, but he's a max player who's putting up okay numbers. Not a super great value for his contract right now. Again, he's young, so there's there's still some promise there. But like, I mean, I like no. If it was Wiggins for Porzingis straight up, I I think maybe. But like, like I I don't know who value. Like, if the Mavericks are calling, you know, if I don't know who their GM is, but if Mark Cuban gets on the phone and calls, you know, Bob Myers, the the Warriors general manager like if I'm Bob Myers I'm going hey you're calling me like I'm not attaching anything and then if I'm Mark Cuban I'm you know trying to sell it and you know doing some shark tank crap or something being like being like, Mark Cuban's you know, on the opposite side of it he's the one so That'd be funny to see him trying to. Yeah, they, they should do. They should so, do like a mock. Like he walks into the room and he's like, "Who's so Porzingis?" And that's all the, the other GMs are like, trading. Are like what's NBA trading?" All the other GMs are like, "Can I see his knee scans?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. sharks. Like the future of basketball is in the Euro League. Are, Let me introduce you. What are your projections looking like in two years? Huh? No, that's way too low. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, again, the injuries are always a concern with 
KP, but I feel like his style of play would it's, actually... Uh, it's Porzingis, not KP. All right. Um, I feel like his style of play would actually work well in a Warriors system, especially with their current talent. Um, I mean, a stretch big guy who can get those boards that we're talking about and probably leaves Draymond some room in the post, too, to keep doing what he's doing from the kind of small five position. Yeah, it would be definitely intriguing. I mean, I in terms of, I mean, the Porzingis' ability to, you know, stretch the floor will always be will always be valuable. Like for the center position, you know, his shooting is valuable. He's not shooting as well as you'd like so far, but again, you know, like still still pretty young, like good. I if I would totally believe that the Mavericks are shopping him. I it'd be an inch it'll, you know, be an interesting like test if you know, if he does get dealt, what is what his value is? I mean, why the Warriors were were brought up in the report specifically, other than the fact that like uh, that's what the reporter was told. But like, why he was told that? You know, I, I don't know. And like, you know, the way it was reported was the Mavericks offered it to Golden State. Not obviously Golden State called Dallas. So like, that's interesting too. I mean, perhaps the. You know the Warriors have the the Warriors are kind of in a unique trade position in terms of they have like a Wiggins or you know they have guys who are um, a max contract so they can salary match but they also like for a for a notable player which the Warriors would obviously want in return but also they have like Wiseman who's a pretty you know obviously was just the number 2 pick very promising young guy and they also have the Minnesota pick this year it's top 3 protected for Minnesota um but that role if that is in the top 3 and Minnesota keeps it it's unprotected in you know in 2022 or whatever and uh yeah 2022 and it's all it's very likely that Minnesota still kind of sucks so <laughs> So, like, that's a pretty valuable asset to have. So, like, the Warriors are in a unique trade position in that they have some legitimate, like, assets, but also the sal like, a, a guy in Wiggins or even Oubre, who's, like, $14 million a year to, like, salary match some useful piece that they would be looking for. But, like, I do think the Warriors would be active in the trade market if Bradley Beal, like, actually really was made... Um, available and like the Warriors might be able to put together a pretty interesting package for Bradley Beal, but like Porzingis, like nah. Yeah, I when as soon as I saw that, I definitely knew it was gonna bring some content to the show. So I'm happy that we got to hear your take on that. All stars, yes, all star break coming up. Well, speaking of all stars, I just realized uh, since we're on a weekly basis now, we've neglected to even talk about Embiid's big Friday night. Let's go, Embiid! Shout out, Embiid! Yeah, yeah, that was... that's all you got. That's all you got. A shout out. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an epic night for Embiid. Uh, career high. Could have had fifty one, but he missed that. So. Good job, Embiid. Uh, Ryan, I do remember you Crash. saying that you're going to flame the Sixers or Simmons fans if they won without Simmons. Well, they, they did that twice. So what, what, how do you feel about that? I don't remember saying that I would flame Simmons fans. I'm just, you know, it's another drop in the bucket of... Flame off! It's a ton of evidence at this point that... I don't even know. It's It shouldn't have even be needed to be said, but... Embiid is clearly more valuable than Simmons. Simmons is 
probably overrated in the value that he delivers to a team and is great as a second fiddle and I'm glad to have him as that but to have him anointed as the fresh prince and all that you know I <laughs> I just think Simmons stands like you yes take it a little bit too far I did just have take a, a snapchat memory of me with my Simmons jersey or it's my hand I'm holding it to the Simmons jersey and it's the day when Simmons broke his foot four years ago I remember laughing pretty hard. We were living wow. with each other, Jack. That's yes. disrespectful. Well, it was yeah, just that is disrespectful, man. It was just I but I pers- I personally was was you know I was like ha ha in your face, Ben Simmons. I told him right to his eyes. I looked him in the eyes. I said, "You were with ha. me during the process, man, and this is what I get." Yeah, well, because it was hilarious. No! It was hilarious. The Sixers have been intentionally bad for uh. so long. All right, let's get to the All Star game. That, like it was that sh- that shit was hilarious, <laughs> yeah. and they finally got a good guy, and then he broke his oh foot, which is the God. exact same thing that happened oh to him. Beat. Oh my God! Was, just that was hilarious. Freaking piling on All Star game. Hey, just because we're not, you know, fast forwarding to your end takes doesn't mean that the other podcast doesn't have value. Thank you very much. Now, if I do propose that we should have a, if we do have podcast rules that maximum two minutes on either the Warriors Glory Days or the process, either both of those. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Right, right, that, that I understand. So we either take a <laughs> pledge here right now, where we maximum spend like two minutes at max you're capped your your mic is cut off at two minutes if you spend over two minutes talking about glory days and or the process days and i i i would agree with that i when you said that i was like that's a good point <laughs> i'll take a blood oath i will spill right blood here right tonight. now <laughs> i'm already bleeding out so my ears. 50 burger for Embiid, head into the all-star game along with his buddy ben simmons vice harris is not there <laughs> But I know you guys had some something to say about the All-Star game. What would that be? What inform us? Let's, let's hear it. Well, my, this was a little bit more re- relevant right after we recorded last week because last week was when the starters were announced. Now, obviously the controversy was Damian Lillard not being a starter and Luka Doncic being a starter. Now, I understand why everybody was upset about that. I agree that Luca, there, that Damian Lillard should have been in over Luca. But, you know, like in The Lion King, when Simba, you know, he's kicked out and he is like, you know, Pumbaa and Timon roll up and they're like, who are you? Why are you so sad? And he's like, my father was murdered by my uncle. My, you know, my family is now under this military dictatorship of Scar. And if I return, he will kill me. And Pumbaa and Timon are like, man, that sounds terrible. Have you tried not giving a fuck? And, and, you know, Hakuna Matata, essentially. And that's what I think all Portland Trailblazer fans should do right now. Have you tried not giving a fuck about if Damian Lillard starts the All-Star game or not? Because I can tell you right now, nobody else does. Nobody gives a fuck. Jack, they they have to give a fuck because... They got nothing else. They don't have anything else. This is what they have. Yeah, they're a good team. They'll they'll be better when they're healthy. Although they never seem to be healthy, so I won't guarantee that they're ever healthy. Uh, but like Damian Lillard is incredible. He's in the MVP conversation. Everybody agrees he should have been the starter. But you know Dallas, the reason he was a starter 
Luke as a starter is because, you know, whatever weird, like, point system that the NBA uses to determine starters is, play, you know, player vote, media vote, coach vote, I think, but definitely player, media, and fans. And I think the fan vote is the reason why Luca was ahead of Dame. So it's like, that's that's my entire point, is like, who cares? It was just a bunch of hashtags and probably the entire country of Slovenia voting for Luka Doncic. And then it's also like, my, like we never categorize who started the All-Star game. When you look at somebody's Wikipedia page, and it says 10-time All-Star. It's never like 10-time All-Star, and he started six of them. Like, you either make it or you don't. And, you know, Dame is hovering in the MVP conversation. I think that's plenty of recognition. I know Blazer fans are always triggered and don't feel like Damien gets enough recognition, which I think was true for a long time, but I don't think is true anymore. And, like, he is in a smaller market, so, like, okay. Like, that does impact him a little bit. I just, like, this take was a little bit better a week ago because it was a little fresher, but I still just feel like, you know, like, Stephen A was on being like, this is ridiculous. It's like, who cares? Nobody ever... Who started in 2019, right? Okay, we can make educated guesses. But, like, who cares? Like, it's the all-star game. They'll He'll play 20, 25 minutes anyway. Like, he'll be in it. It's fine. The All-Star Game is a huge honor, really important, and I don't think it's not a great honor, but I think we should all care a little bit less about it in terms of an honor and, like, a resume thing than we do. It is super important, and, like, when Julius Randle and a bunch of, you know, Zach Levine and a bunch of guys are making it, like, that's great. I care way more about who makes it in general because that, like, being an All-Star versus not is a huge difference, but being a starter versus being an All-Star, like, like who cares? Everybody got all worked up. I was like, why do we, why are we getting all worked up? So, A little bit of an expired take, but I thought you microwaved it well, and uh, it was, it was still hot and spicy for me. When whoever doesn't start... That's true. Whoever, just fill in the name. Yeah, I'll just record the name, you know, like, I don't know. Well, that, that, that was what I was going to say. It's the classic sports debate. Top 10, fill in your top 10, and number 11 is inevitably going to be pissed yeah. that he's number 11. I mean, even with the Booker conversation where you have LeBron James tweeting that Devin Booker is the most underrated player in the league because he was not selected initially as an all-star reserve, he is now filling in for Anthony Davis. So this conversation is largely moot, but I find it funny mainly because you look at the Western team and who really are you replacing with Booker? I mean, you can make arguments, but you could also make arguments in the other way. And for me, I think it's just a cool thing, honestly, because it kind of speaks to the talent that the league has at this point. Like they are so loaded and, you know, it's obviously neglecting guys that have had other slow starts, you know, especially guard position in the Western conference. Like you even have guys like Jamal Murray who have, you know, not had the best start to this season. It just, for me, it speaks to the talent. And you're right, Jack, the East is a little bit more shallow in terms of that. And it is cool to see guys like Julius Randle get theirs for the first time. First time, I'm assuming, I'm not sure, yeah, but he's having a great year and he, he rightfully deserves that recognition. Um, but, and I'm glad that Booker got in so we could stop moaning about it. At the end of the day, he has taken a little bit of a backseat to CP3. I think it's understandable that he didn't get brought in, but again, it's it's a conversation about the competition rather than an indictment on the player, I would say. 
Yeah, it was. Well, I was happy Simmons got in. Of course you were. Um, All right, let's talk some freaking football. I was I'm just about to up. say, Ryan. I'm fired up. Is, I've been caged, man. Now, uh, it's starting out as a basketball podcast. We talk Sixers and Warriors. I would love to talk some football, baby. America's favorite pastime is now the National Football League. And given that we are Sixers fans, we are also Eagles fans. Isn't that right, Jack? You're an Eagles fan as well. Totally, totally, totally. That being said, it's been quite the offseason for us Bird fans. Uh, A lot of turbulence, a lot of shakeup. And now the franchise has completely imploded on itself. And we are in that rebuilding phase, and it's so weird because we won the Super Bowl just a couple years ago. What the hell happened? Howie Roseman happened. Uh, I got takes on Howie. But Ryan, I would love... Ryan, just give it to us right now. You are a very passionate guy. Let it rip, man. Let's hear it. What do you got? Give it to us right now. Come on. Let's go. Let's hear it. Yes, come on. Well, this might not be the thing you want to hear, but most of my ardor and disappointment, honestly, goes to Eagles fans. Which I don't think for anyone outside of Philadelphia, uh, that is a surprising take. But the fans ruined this for us, in my opinion, because, you know, Carson did not have a great year. There is no denying that. But the just the circumstances around Carson's Philadelphia tenure just made it untenable for him to be successful. I mean, you have an MVP season. He, He was... People forget he was the undisputed MVP until he tore his ACL against the Rams. Undisputed. No one else. Tom Brady was having a good year, but he was not on the level that Carson was that year. And just because the team carried that success into the Super Bowl win, it just all, all of that evaporated for Carson. And, you know, it's been tough ever since then. And a lot of that has not been him, right? You know, I just, a week ago, I sat here and I ripped Pat Mahomes' family, right? Because Pat Mahomes had a terrible Super Bowl. Now, why would Pat Mahomes have a terrible Super Bowl? He's one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Because the quarterback is not the only freaking player on the field, right? You have an offensive line that needs to protect him. You have receivers that need to catch the balls he throws, right? And Carson really has had neither the past two seasons. And it's just funny how we spin these narratives one way or the other, just depending on what the quarterback's vibe is, right? Oh, Pat Mahomes, he's a gunslinger. He's chill. He's got a, you know, a a TikToking brother that's in the limelight, too. Like, this is a guy we can get behind. So no matter how he performs, we're going to say he's phenomenal. Carson, Christianity, little out of touch, a little out of popularity, fading away a little bit maybe, some might say. I don't know, middle America, don't be mad. I'm just, I'm just saying what the liberal media narrative is. Don't get mad at me. Um, but you have you have these factors going against Carson. Oh, he's a hunter from North Dakota. What a redneck. Why would we get behind this guy? And so no matter what he does, it's always on him. No matter the mistakes that the offensive line makes that lead to him getting sacked more than any other quarterback in the league, uh, it's, 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 it's his poor decision-making. Uh, he's, he's quick to go off the first read. Whatever, man. Jalen Hurts comes in, the supposed savior of this, the whole reason that Carson gets benched. Carson wouldn't have gotten benched if it wasn't for Jalen, right? Like, Jalen Hurts, second pick in this past NFL draft, 
a confusing pick to the fan base, but we quickly bought in, right? Howie Roseman, skeptical, right? But we bought into it. We, we, we understood that the quarterback is obviously a value position and you need it protected. Great. Jalen, great backup. But the hype behind him then became the reason that Carson gets benched. And then what does he do? He goes out and wins one surprise game against the Saints because the dude's got freaking legs of a stallion. He's galloping all over the field. Athletic as hell, I don't think he's a quarterback in this league. Nothing showed me that he is anything better than what Carson had to offer last season. He was just an offensive wrinkle his running game was that caught defenses off guard. Nothing special there, but yet Carson, everything that the team was doing poorly up until that point was Carson's fault. Everything after Carson left was on the surrounding cast because we like Jalen because he's given up so much in his career. And again, I like the kid. I like his story. I just don't think he's got the game to be a starting quarterback in this league. That's that's it. And we're going to find that out. And listen, I, I wish that I wish that we had had this podcast earlier because as soon as Carson got benched, I predicted the trade to the Colts. I'm not surprised at all by the move. There were rumors in it. I didn't make it up myself. The Frank Wright connection to Carson is real, and it's going to be shown next year. Hopefully they sign a receiver like Chris Godwin, maybe a Kenny Galladay. But Carson's going to tear up the AFC South, probably going to win that division. Eagles are going to be middling of the pack at best, and it's going to be. I am going to be laughing so hard. I'm, I'm still rooting for the Eagles. Still going to put on my Fletcher Cox jersey, my boy, my big boy in the middle. But, you know, it's 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 going to be comical when Wentz shows the quarterback that he can be and uh, Jalen is exposed to the, for the quarterback that he is. Yeah, I got a Wentz jersey, so I'm probably going to have to get another one. Uh, sad, sad. A lot of other players on the roster have moved along as well that being deshaun jackson and alshon jeffrey dusty receivers so old finally moving on thanks for nothing alshon well, okay. well no he i shouldn't he... say that i'm sorry i'm getting carried away i'm getting carried away <laughs> you're still a little hot you're he delivered a phenomenal year for us but the past three seasons have been have been rough but you could you know, make the shout out alshon. alshon costed wentz's career because when wentz lost that browns game that very last drive when they had the chance to score, Alshon couldn't jump, which is what you do as an athlete, and went through that pick. And uh, that that really was a very negative part of the season for the Eagles, I, for Wentz, uh, for us fans. Yeah, that was, that was brutal. And I agree that that was Alshon's largely his fault on that play, for lack of effort. But um, I think Alshon cost Carson his career a long time before that. And that's because the first rumors of Carson's lack of leadership in the locker room were 100% snake, snake bitten. He was snake bitten by Alshon. Alshon put out that media report. I almost guarantee to Josina Anderson. I think, I mean, she's the player's reporter, which is awesome. You can tell where these reporters are getting their information from. Josina is talking to the players versus the Adam Schefters or the more, you know, executives level. But uh, yeah, Alshon probably leaked that, and that honestly added to the fuel, just fuel to the fire, man, fuel to the dumpster fire that is the Eagles fan base. And I'm, I'm sorry, Carson, 
but I know you're going to tear it up, so I'm not that sorry, honestly. I'm sorry, Eagles fans, for getting to watch that for the next decade. I will say Alshon did save that Super Bowl season against the Giants. Oh, okay. He did catch that, like, 14-yard pass out of bounds, which set up that 62. I tried to walk it back. Yeah. I know, I know. He's he's cost us our franchise quarterback, but then he also saved us the Super Bowl. So I guess I guess I'll take the Super Bowl in the end. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty nice. Jack, I would like to get your opinion on JJ Watt. How do you feel about this man <laughs> following Watt. Deshaun Watson's footsteps? Well, how do you feel about of. JJ? Huh? Wait, no, 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 I'm taking this over. I'm taking this over real quick. Okay, because I, I got Jack, something. He had to endure. Your Eagles fandom running care. rampant around this podcast, spitting into your microphone. He he was just sitting back, letting it happen. I, I mean, I, I, I had, sort of my, I had my time ranting about the All-Star game. I will say from like an outside perspective of the Eagles, I do think most of most of the collapse of was on Wentz. But like I do expect him to be a lot better in Indianapolis. And like there was clearly many factors and I am really excited to watch what the Colts do next year because, like, Phillip Rivers still looked, you know, really old, and there's a reason why he's retired, but they had a productive season, and he definitely improved from his last, like, season or two in San Diego going to uh, the Frank Reich system, and obviously, like, that offensive line, even though I think they're losing Costanzo, like, should still be pretty good, and, yeah, hopefully they can snag, like, another weapon or something. But uh, anyways, I, I think that like it was absolutely necessary to go separate ways and it'll be bitter to like see if Carson has success. But I just hope as Eagles fans, you guys will like end this divorce understanding that like you two can still find happiness in others. But recognizing that like it just wasn't it just wasn't going to work like it's not always one particular person's fault. But it oh, was no, it absolutely is. necessary it is. to go somebody to go their separate ways, it, and and I, you I, might I, find happiness with Jalen Hurts or taking a quarterback at the draft position now or taking another quarterback next year, and Wentz might be decent to good for Indianapolis for a little while. But I, it just like it just wasn't gonna work anymore. It seemed like. Like That's stupid. Both parties it's Howie's like fault. But anyways, it's Howie's fault. Continue. It's one person's fault. Want, it's Howie's fault. Yeah, I want your fault. take, Patrick. Like, how do you feel? How does it make you feel? Well, first, before I get to my take, I would like to shout out Deha, Darren. You got her boy Wentz because he's a Colts fan. <laughs> uh, I did text him and I said we should have him on the pod to discuss maybe Colts and Timer Wentz even. <laughs> so, Deha, shout out. Um, yeah, my Wentz take is basically I I sort of mirror Ryan's Ryan's take. I, I've always been a fan of Wentz. I know, honestly, I would say most of the people that weren't Eagles fans that I talked to, they hated Wentz. They did not trust Wentz at all. And I think it is that short-term memory of not remembering his MVP season and seeing his most recent playing and his most recent stats, which... Don't get me wrong. Yeah, this last season, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Uh, He just wasn't playing well. But we can get into the offensive line. We can get into his support cast. We can get into Dougie P's play calling even. And it just just wasn't a really good 
season for him, and I thought the team was going to have more patience with him. But the whole Jalen Hurts thing, taking him at number two in the draft. Ryan, I was watching that draft with you, and we were bamboozled. We were baffled. We were flat-out deceived by this pick. <laughs> and I, even the Jalen Rager pick, I'm still, still a little skeptical of. I do like Rager a lot. I think he'll be a good receiver, taking him in the first round. We'll see how I mean, even even with the MVP season in the rearview mirror, last season, Wentz, you know, not the uh, 2020 season, the 2019 season, Wentz was the first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards without a receiver having 500 yards or more. Yeah. Okay. That's that, a great stat. That's a great stat. And like, And that speaks to the supporting cast that was around him. And it's not like, you know, they drafted Rager – it's not like the cast got that much appreciably better. If anything, it eroded because you had season-ending injuries to guys like Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks. So it's not it's you and know Lane Johnson who ended his well, season yeah, and halfway Lane, through. Uh, he was oh, battling injuries the whole season. Though. That was rough. Yeah, Lane Lane had a rough season too with injuries. But you you have that stat that shows that Wentz can do something with nothing, but then you give him less in a way the next season and expect him to make greatness happen. And it just, like I, like Pat's alluding to just an organizational failure, obviously Wentz is to blame. He threw a lot of dumb picks. He blew the Washington game for sure, but it was not solely on him. And to a bench that guy after that was, yeah, it, nothing. I, I have nothing more to say, man. I'm done. I'll I'm say done. that Wentz clearly he wasn't flawless. He would still do young quarterback things, even though he technically is a young quarterback. He wouldn't throw the ball away. when He, he would try to extend the play a little too much. He sort of cleaned up his fumbles, uh, or when he would fumble it, he would recover them himself. I remember his earlier um, in his earlier part of his career, he, he fumbled the ball. But I had faith in him, you know, <laughs> which is a little ironic to say because he's a very faithful man. But... Uh, well, it he, makes sense I why you him... had. I mean, it makes sense why you had faith in him because he went from such a high, like to down low. So there's like it makes sense seeing what he did, you know, in 2017 or that MVP year or whatever, whatever that was. Like it makes sense. It is one of the weirder quarterback situations in a long time. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna get like hyperbolic with it but it is extremely weird and i can't really think of somebody who outside of old age had had like shown that kind of sort of deterioration in game and like like i've spent a decent amount of time like reading and watching people know a lot more about football than me like talk about him and they like even they're just bamboozled as like his inability like yes the weapons weren't great and the offensive line wasn't great but like just missing the short throws in the offense that weren't there and then like throwing it to the wrong place like seemed to be pretty common and it's like i you know i don't know if he just got like spooked and it seems like like in a weird way and it just seemed like like i don't know maybe like frank reich really just is some kind of carson wentz whisperer and like i there was there's another guy and i forget his name but he was also on that staff with chicago and the reason chicago is sort of rumored because you know he was also in that room with carson wentz when he had that great season but chicago wasn't going to go for him because that guy while frank reich seems to have the faith i don't know if, i don't know if that other guy does i know that's not i can't remember his name for the life of me but I understand why you say when he had when you had faith in him it's because 
I don't remember somebody who had like been so promising, had such a great season and then like had the put up the numbers and like not only numbers but just like the way he played like yeah that offensive line was deteriorating but like the sacks like he held the ball for so long sometimes and it was like what are you doing man like this is weird this is weird it's just like so in that sense i am hopeful that like he can just be sort of like spooked out and spooked the other way but i won't be happy with this team until howie roseman <laughs> is fired until howie roseman is gone i still think he is a plague that is sickening this franchise and he's right under Jeffrey's nose, and he doesn't even see it himself. I just want to take that old little white sack with some hair on the top of his head and just scream into his face that Howie Roseman is an issue for this franchise being where it is at this moment. And I just, it pains me because I think Howie's going to stay for a long time now. If this, this whole drama, which is like what you said, Jack, it is a very weird situation and it just caused so much attention to us. It caused this crazy season to, you know, spit out this franchise quarterback we had to another team. We got pretty much nothing in return. And and he's not and Howie's not held accountable. We lost a head coach. We lost our quarterback and Howie, the GM, who's making all these decisions, who's picking these players, who's hiring these coaches, isn't like he's not to blame. It's uh, I don't know what else it's going to take for him to get fired until something later down the road, you know, in like 10 years happens or I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. I think how he is the problem. Guess just going to have to live with that as an Eagles fan. That's what being a sports fan is like. At least we're not Jets fan. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. At least we're not J.J. Watt fans either. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you, uh, what, how do you feel about J.J., man? Well, I feel like his, uh, and you know, I don't want to discount the charitable work that he's done because I think he has donated a lot of his wealth, um, and and I do appreciate that from him. Well, that's but not what you're criticizing. Uh, no, that's not what I'm criticizing him about. I'm saying that J.J. Watt loves him some J.J. freaking Watt, and I feel like his he's always portrayed as the ultimate team guy, the ultimate sacrificer for the betterment of his comrades in battle, right? And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. That is not the case. You know, he makes headlines all across the sports media landscape when after the season, he apologizes to Deshaun Watson saying that we failed you, man. We failed you because what? They went what? Three and freaking 13? I, I don't even know what their record was. They're god-awful. We failed you because Deshaun put up a great season despite all of that. Sounds great. What a captain. What a leader, man. He is holding himself accountable. Deshaun's un he's he's unhappy in his situation. He requests a trade. What's the next thing that happens? JJ Watt and the Texans agree to mutually part ways. Texans wave JJ Watt. JJ Watt asked to be released. He makes this big show. At, on the face of the Texans, we as an organization failed Deshaun Watson. And then what does he do? He skips town. Who is this guy? He's he's nothing. What What is that? Deshaun's probably sitting there like, what the hell? Can we mutually agree to part ways? Like, that's what I'm trying to do here. And JJ just does it. Like, you want to talk about white privilege? What's going on there? I mean, come on now. Captain America, my ass. You know, going gets tough. Oh, I want to spend my last years chasing rings. I don't want an organization to fail me. I don't want to have to apologize to me for getting my having my career failed. Like, get up, give me a break, JJ. Every quote to the media where he's, you know, 
pretending to be some leader. Give me a break. This guy is only about him. And then he's tweeting all up a storm. Wow, free agency is crazy. I wonder, I just wonder what Deshaun's thinking. Like, this guy, this guy, this guy pretends he's in it with me. He's the first one off the lifeboat. I'm trying to get a helicopter SOS off this sinking ship. J.J. Watt takes a lifeboat off. Give me a break, J.J. Watt. Shut the hell up. Where do you think he's going to go? I don't care. He's washed. He's washed. Browns? I mean, it would be kind of cool to, like, if, it would be kind of funny if the Chiefs took him. Oh, God. Uh, and continued their habit of signing washed Le'Veon Bell. Feel like they just assemble these. I mean, the the Bucks did it better than them. They assembled a dream team of free agents, but Chiefs not so much, man. What do you think about JJ Watchack? What do you think uh, about I that mean, take? I mean, I disagree with him. Like, not necessarily. Like, I do. I do think JJ is definitely a showman and is media savvy. And like, I remember the hard knocks when he's like out there, like, and it's nighttime and he's still like doing the drills and stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm a pessimist. And, like, again, I don't – I'm not talking about who he is as a person. Like, seems to be, like, legitimately ingrained in the Houston community and extremely charitable, but, like – Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, I The part I disagree with is that, like, I don't – when they say mutually parted ways, like, I – kind of agree i actually think the texans were gonna cut him whether he wanted to go or not because i'm pretty sure that whoa he's i mean they're paying they were paying him like 17 million a year and i think they could cut him at essentially like a really small dead cap figure i'm not exactly sure what that was but i I felt like they were gonna like cut him anyways so like i it's a it's a big cap hit but they're clearly tanking right now and and are just they're in deep crap, deep shit. Like, I don't know what their direction is, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it was just a money play because they are so starved for stars at this point. And now they have their franchise quarterback that they're desperately trying to grab onto as he tries to weasel his way out. And I kind of hope he does just because that team is going to be God awful next year. But I, I think that I don't think they would have released him without him coming to them and saying, yo, let's See, make something happen. I totally happen. think they were they were going to. And the only reason it mm-hmm. came across as mutually parted ways is because, like, J.J. Watt is a big deal to that team and is a big deal to that community. And, like, they wanted some sort of level of respect for him to, like, you know, like when coaches, when the Timberwolves, I guess Timberwolves coach got fired, but oftentimes you see, like, you know, mutually parted ways usually means, you know, the company is trying not to put too much on the, you know, the labor or, like, the person as they're going out the door. So that's why, and, like, I know there had been rumors that they were going to cut him. So, like, that's why when it happened, I all felt like, I felt like the Texans were like somewhat doing him a solid in that situation. Uh, so like, I, I do disagree with like that part of your take. And like, I like, you know, he wasn't worth that contract. I'm pretty sure, you know, again, like I don't have that figure in front of me, but they, they barely took even like some kind of cap hit. I might be wrong, but like still like I'm pretty, you know, I mean, they're so capped out anyways, because you know, Bill O'Brien ran them into the, into the ground, but like, uh, I I do feel like he definitely is media savvy, and he lets 
people know and like this and he definitely is sort of somebody who was like pretty beloved and definitely is a little little bit of a darling for everybody and like i get you know hasn't done anything to not necessarily deserve that reputation but i will be curious to see where he ends up and the name at this point i definitely think is bigger than the production way to throw a damp towel on that tape i disagree thanks a lot i disagree thanks a lot i disagree breaking news breaking news Looks like the Warriors are going to win it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Full disclosure for everybody listening that we are recording during a Warriors game. <laughs> Great reaction. Live reaction. I'm trying to look up the box score. Yeah. But my, I'm trying to react to like the box score, but my phone won't even load it, so it's pointless. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to chit-chat about? Any more hot takes that we're ready to explode i'm, I'm good I'm for now i'll save out. it for next Akuna week Matata. i i have a damp towel that i'm fighting off of me thanks a lot yeah, jack welcome. god it's all sticky too what the hell's going on here thanks for ruining the show jack thank you so much would like to give out some shout outs before we end here <laughs> <laughs> evan uh thanks <laughs> thanks for uh the support oh, okay hayden thanks for the support uh nico your savant ryan uh, said a said he likes the podcast so another great episode guys i also would like to say that i know my mic quality is not great right now my mic isn't bend but if I will you get if it. you venmo pat he can buy a better mic that's true i you wouldn't have to wait until i go grab my mic and bend so problem solved i could just buy it off amazon right now get it here by next week's show so venmo me at patrick lee part at patrick lee part at patrick lee part send me the request and yeah i'll get the notification right away i will accept that money and don't worry about it <laughs> well thanks guys for another great show uh yeah we'll see you next week uh that's all for tonight